When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles text service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' latest injury news, the Week 7 roster shuffling, and preview the Thursday night football matchup with the Giants. Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Mike. Not too bad. Uh, finally heading right back into division play, and it's going to be a, a, a few make-or-break weeks for this team. Uh, how are you doing? I'm all right. You know, uh, probably better than Jamon Brown. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know... Just getting ready for another classic Thursday night football division matchup. Um, You know, the Eagles have kind of owned the Giants over the last several years. uh, And I have not covered a Giants win uh, during my career uh, with NJ.com. So there's that. Um, Look, there's a lot of things to talk about here. Let's get them right into them. There's a t- boatload of injuries, but the Eagles got some good news on Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday right after the injury report was sent out. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Avante Maddox, Lane Johnson, and Duke Riley are all set to return this week against the Giants. Those are some big you know, additions to the roster. Alshon Jeffrey, um, Zach Ertz, Miles Sanders... Um, and Malik Jackson will not play. Those are obviously some big subtractions. Let's kind of get into these. Let's talk about Deshaun Jackson first. What do you think he can do on a short week after missing three weeks of action? Well, I think uh, especially seeing what we saw last week with uh, John Hightower, and actually his last previous weeks with John Hightower with some of those drops, I think he can go ahead and contribute right away. I mean, just imagine if you had Jackson in those situations, I think you basically have – two more big plays that go ahead and change the course of a game. So I think it's going to be very important for him to basically his, his return is going to be important for this offense. And especially with another uh, Zach Ertz out, you now you gain back another important weapon and look to maybe they line up in the slot and he goes ahead and attack the middle of the field like Ertz was supposed to do this year. I mean, uh, I think it's going to be definitely help this offense. I mean, what injury do you think is going to be most person? What player is returning that you think is going to be, very impactful for this offense or, or defense. Well, I think Lane Johnson returning is huge, especially with Jack Driscoll out with an ankle injury. I think, you know, when Lane Johnson's in there, Carson Wentz is typically successful. And I think having Lane Johnson out there, you know, especially with Boston Scott getting the bulk of the carries in the backfield, Lane Johnson helps on screen passes. He's going to help going against those pass rushers of the Giants. I think he'll match up pretty regularly with Marcus Golden. Like, I think there's going to be a key matchup there. 
and I just think he makes the offensive line better. Look, two starters on the offensive line are better than one, um, especially when you consider the fact that, like we alluded to earlier, Jamon Brown, their starting right guard from week six, has already been released. Matt Pryor still on the COVID-19 list. So it probably means that Nate Herbig's going to move back to right guard. I like the way that that group looked uh, in week two against the Rams. Then you've probably got Suo Peta starting on the left side next to Jordan Melata. So the Eagles will have their sixth different set of offensive linemen in seven games. That's hard to overcome, but with Lane Johnson back there, it's it's an upgrade as opposed to a detriment. Um, let's talk about which injury is going to hurt them the most, the injury absence. Uh, what do you got? That's going to be tough. Um, I think right now, I think Malik Jackson, if I had to look at a guy who was actually, I thought, players playing at a very high level in the middle of that defense, I mean, Fletcher Cox is obviously going to draw a lot of double teams, and you hope that the other tackle who's going to be playing up alongside him is going to be able to go ahead and attack the offensive line, especially in the interior. I think Jackson was doing that so far this season. And as and basically, if you're a quarterback and you see all that pressure coming inside, and it, if it basically goes ahead and forces you to go ahead and throw that ball quicker, you start getting a little amps, you can't step up in the pocket, and that's what Jackson was able to do. And dare I say it, he was actually one of the ones that a few – linemen that were getting their hands up at times too which this which this defensive line did a lot more they started to do a lot more last week but jackson jackson's loss i think it's gonna be filled it's gonna be a big spot for javon hargrave to step in there i mean he he was the big free agent signing this past year and he's gonna to have to go ahead and prove it especially against a, a an offensive line i think he has a chance to do it against this giants offensive line and he's gonna to have to go out there and prove it i mean who do you think is going to be able to hurt whose loss do you think is going to hurt the most well i think miles sanders um you know, you look at this, he's coming off back-to-back games with 74-yard runs uh, that have led to touchdowns, um, even for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, so he's a guy that, look, he's, I believe he's like 13th in the league in carries, but he's fourth in the league in rushing yards. Like, despite what everybody th- has said about his injury status and fighting, you know, battling his way through injuries, I think he's had a pretty good season despite the injury woes. He's a guy that is their biggest big play threat, in my opinion, and losing him is going to hurt. But then again, you have Deshaun Jackson back. I like what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts as a runner. Um, And then Boston Scott has had his two best games of his career against the Giants. You know, he's Boston Scott in in the giant beanstalk. Like he's, (laughs) you know, the Boston TV party. So I think... When I look at that, oh, plus they're going to be wearing black on black in this game, which is uh, a jersey com- uh, uniform combination that they've been very successful in. Seems like kind of a desperation move, as our buddy Seamus Clancy from uh, NBC Sports kind of alluded to earlier today. But um, let's talk about the roster shuffling. So obviously with all these injuries, we're going to see some guys get elevated. We already saw Jamon Brown get cut to make room for tight end Jason Kroom, who came off the practice squad last week and scored a touchdown in his only play on offense. Um, and then, you know, you've got Richard Rodgers starting at tight end as well. Uh, I would imagine that they're going to elevate T.Y. McGill from the practice squad and either Prince Tegawanagu to give them a little bit more offensive line support or... I could see them kind of, you know, with Avante Maddox back in place and Marcus Epps able to play. I don't think you're going to see Graylon Arnold. I don't think you're going to see Elijah Riley. But I think you could see somebody like, you know, um, Adrian Killens 
or even maybe Elijah Holyfield getting the bump up. You know, they haven't shown a lot of faith in playing Jason Huntley. I wonder if they feel like they need a ground and pound guy like Elijah Holyfield or a guy who's here this summer in Adrian Killens. What do you think they should do? Well, it's funny you mentioned Holyfield because remember everybody was oohing and all in this past training camp when he was making these big runs. He was making these physical runs. He was jawing back and forth with the defense. And it seems like he got lost in the shuffle even in his own practice squad. I mean, we were t- – we were talking about uh, Adrian Killens before we were talking about Elijah Holyfield. And it, I think this, I think especially with the way the running back room is right now and how it's currently constructed with Sanders out, you're going to need a guy like that to get these tough yards, especially if they're up in the fourth quarter. You're going to need, you're going to need that physical element that's going to be there. And I think when it comes to the crew being at, added to the active roster, I think it's more of an indictment of Hakeem Butler is nowhere near ready to go ahead and be like that second tight end on that, on that, on that offense, uh, I mean, the former wide receiver, you think, especially in a game like this, you would, you want somebody to go ahead and hands, especially being down some impact players. So you you would think Butler would have been ready to go, but uh, obviously not. So Kroom's going to step in there, Mister Mister Efficiency, one snap, one touchdown. So it, may, it won't be the same clip, but who knows? Maybe between the combination of uh, Rogers and Kroom can actually be uh, fruitful for this offense. I watched Hakeem Butler run down on kickoff returns and punt returns. Uh, this past week, I've never seen a person look more lost on special teams in my life. So would not be shocked if, if he's inactive in this game. Look, the Eagles now with Deshaun Jackson will have uh, quite a few wide receivers to play with. Deshaun Jackson, Travis Fulgham, uh, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. That's six guys. I think all six will be active. How are you splitting up the reps? Who's starting? What's your thought process on that? Well, I think probably not right now. I'd probably start Jackson. I'd probably start Jackson and Fogum. I think er- Fogum has definitely earned to start. And if you went to a third receiver, if they will start out with eleven personnel, meaning one running back and one tight end, you put Ward in the slot. I think you just have to do that. I think you slowly, you slowly work in high tower a little bit to give Jackson reps because you don't want to go ahead and burn him out. Coming especially being that he hasn't played that much, so you want to go ahead and throw him out. I think you throw him out there to go ahead and get some of those reps. I say Weiss, I think I, he's I think he's toward the, the back end of that group. He's not getting, in my estimation, I don't think he's getting that that many uh, snaps on there. And I think Quez Watkins, I mean, we haven't seen, I really haven't seen anything coming out coming out from him when he's been on a field, which kind of was a disappointment. I thought maybe he was going to be the uh, the wide receiver out of this, these, the ones that were picked up in the lower rounds. I thought he would have been the one that was going to flash some stuff, but he hasn't done it so far. I mean, how would you, if you, if you were a general manager or you were Doug Peterson saying, Hey, you know what? I want to go ahead and get divvy up these reps. How would you have it? Um, I would say that I would probably say that that's something similar. Um, look, I think you've got to rotate to Sean Jackson, John Hightower. Hightower has gotten used to playing a lot of snaps. Um, He's bigger than Deshaun, but and and not as fast, but he's shown the ability to get downfield. I think he's a Z receiver. I think that's what he is. Uh, you're not going to have him play a lot of against press. I think Fulgham needs to play, you know, 90% of the snaps here. So you're going to have him at the X receiver spot. JJ Single Whiteside will back him up. And then, you know, in the slot, I guess you have Warden Quez Watkins. Look, I have, I agree with you. I haven't been impressed by Quez Watkins. I mean, he's only really had like four or five snaps in two games. But realistically, I I just, if there is a guy who's inactive, it'll be Quez Watkins. He does almost the same thing that John Hightower and Deshaun Jackson do on paper. 
just not as well. So I have a quick question. Here you go. Do you go? Would you rather go with Watkins or J.J. Arcega Whiteside long term? I, I've invested. If I'm Howie Roseman, I've invested in J.J. Arcega Whiteside. I think he's shown very good effort. Uh, Quez Watkins does almost exactly the same thing as Deshaun Jackson, John Hightower, and Jalen Rager. Uh, or at least that's what he's most proficient at. So to me, I, I mean, look, I'm not cutting J.J. Arcega Whiteside just to cut J.J. Arcega Whiteside. It's been a year and a half. Like, I get it. There's no scholarship anymore, but it's not like he's completely inept. Uh, yes. Has he been bad? Of course. Is he a bust? Yes. But eventually you have to see who can be out there and block. What's the health status of Alshon Jeffrey? Uh, you know, they need a backup X receiver. Fulgham is one hit away from somebody else going in there. And I don't know if Alshon Jeffrey's ever going to be a full-time player for the Eagles this season. So, you know, I do know that you have like 16 Z receivers uh, and Quez Watkins is at the bottom of the barrel. I also think you can get him through waivers pretty easily. He hasn't really done anything to show that he he's a must add for a team. He's not a pass rusher like Casey two Hill. He's not an, uh, an offensive tackle. He's not a tight end. You know, there's a shortage of good players at those positions. There aren't really at wide receiver as you see with Travis Fulgham. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would go with JJ, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, with that said, um, you know, when we look at this matchup with the Giants, these are two of the most turnover prone quarterbacks in the league. Um, Carson Wentz leads, is tied for the league lead with Kirk Cousins with 11 turnovers, two forced fumble or two fumbles lost, nine interceptions. Uh, and then you've got Daniel Jones, who has turned the ball over, I believe, in all but one game that he started in. Uh, not good. There are going to be turnovers in this game, and the Eagles' only win of the season has been when they won the turnover battle against San Francisco. So, look, the Eagles have dominated the Giants. I believe they've won 11 of the last 12 matchups in the series. Um, and the Giants have not won a Thursday night football game since 2015. Everything's coming up Eagles from a, you know, a, a, a trend standpoint. Are you concerned at all about this Giants team who just scored their first win of the season barely against the Redskins who actually beat the Eagles in week one? Um, where are you at with this Giants team? Where are you at with their comparison to the Eagles? Well, right now, I mean, everything on paper says it's heavily Eagles, but there's two, th- there's three things I'm actually, uh, I'm actually a little worried about. One, this team. One thing I will say: this team, this team doesn't. The Giants don't. They don't just quit. It seems like it seems like they're always that team. They like to linger around for a quarter, or a half, or what have you. And those can be the most dangerous team because the Eagles give a turnover, and next thing you know, Giants go up quick. They can start thinking, "Hey, you know what? We're in this game." Two, I think uh, when you look at the shuffling that they have against this basically this offense, this makeshift offensive line again coming up on a short week. I'm actually concerned about Leonard Williams going against Sua Opeta and uh, Jordan Maialata over there on the left side, the Eagles left side of the line, but the Giants right side of the line. I think he can actually create a few problems if if it gets to that. So I think it's going to, I think that's going to be something to watch out with. And if they start to get some pressure on that side and when it starts to go ahead and uh, start roll, rolling, having to roll out and bail out quickly, I think that can be an issue to do it. But three, is that you look at this division right now, I think everybody legitimately feels they have a shot. Even Washington, I think they have a shot to compete for it and maybe the maybe headed to the playoffs at the end of the season. So as long as the team's in it, 
and especially with everything the way it is right now, I think that they're going to go ahead. I think they're going to play a spirited match, be it it's going to be nationally televised division game, and that you're going to have uh, what everything that's on the line right now, even this early in the season. I mean, do you feel like this is is this going to be a, a, a basically a troubling game for the Eagles? Do you feel that way? No, I don't think it's going to be a troubling game for the Eagles. I think it'll be a lot closer than a lot of pundits kind of think it will. Uh, we'll get to our predictions later on, but I, I look, I look, I think James Bradbury creates an issue for for Travis Fulgham as well as he's played against the likes of Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters and Joe Hayden. Um, but I do think he'll get open. I think there's trust between him and Carson Wentz. I think his ability to high point the football is is pretty spectacular for a guy who's come out of nowhere. Um, I don't think their linebackers are very good. I don't think their pass rushers are very good. Um, what else you got? Yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams could be a problem. Um, but I think this offensive line is significant. Is banged up as this offensive line has been, I still think it's better than the Giants' offensive line. And I really like the Eagles' pass rush against this offensive line. They're having a lot. The Giants are having a lot of struggles on the outside blocking for Daniel Jones, who is a fumbling machine. I think that that's really good news for a guy like Brandon Graham, a guy like Josh Sweat. Uh, I think Fletcher Cox is really going to be able to attack them up the middle as well. Um, and then, you know, obviously the running game is a concern. They're going to have to establish the running game early. Boston Scott's going to have to play well. They're going to have to establish the screen game. Corey Clement's going to actually have to do something on offense. Look, they're going to have to use Jalen Hurts pretty often. And I will say one of my big predictions for this game is Jalen Hurts scores his first touchdown of, of his career um, on the ground. I think they're going to use him heavily in the red zone. It's something that they need to do. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of two quarterback sets. And I think Carson Wentz is someone who embraced those kind of looks because, frankly, they need to get stuff going. Um, I was harsh on Carson Wentz, went back, watched the tape. I was harsh on Carson Wentz. Um, I still think he was pretty uneven. I still think there's a lot of room for improvement. I think some of those sacks and hits were on him last week. That said, the fourth quarter was very, very promising. Um, I really like what he did against the Steelers as well. If Carson didn't get the ball out quickly, I expect them to run a lot of 10 and 11 personnel. So 10 personnel would be one running back, no tight ends. Uh, 11 personnel would be one running back, one tight end. Uh, they're not going to have a lot of depth here at the tight end position. Plus Richard Rodgers is not a very good blocker. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of four wide receiver sets in this game. Um, and I think that's smart. I think having Greg Warden, Deshaun Jackson, in the slot with Hightower and Fulgham on the outside or Fulgham in the slot with Jackson outside and Hightower outside, that's a winning combination because you get that speed on the outside and then you get the two surest handed receivers on the team going across the middle. I think that's a good strategy to win with outside of Bradbury. Their secondary is awful. Um, Logan Ryan can be picked on from a size standpoint. If you can get Richard Rogers on him, um, Richard Rogers is a really good athlete. Uh, and look, I think this team is going to go as Carson goes and, and Carson should have a good time picking on other dudes. I think Deshaun Jackson returning, I think Hightower kind of getting his feet back under him with that 50 yard catch is big. I, I, look, these guys are going to have to catch the footballs. They're going to have to make plays for Carson Wentz because Fulgham's going to have, you know, probably one of his least eventful nights against Bradbury. You know, and it's funny you mentioned uh, 10 and 11 personnel. I think I see this as possibly a game that Carson Wentz throws the ball 40, 45 times. Reason I agree. being, 
especially with uh, remember first game of the year against Washington, the Eagles had the Eagles backs had trouble when it came to the pass blocking and it, and they also had trouble trying to gain yards on the ground. So one one of the ways you can do that is not only doing the screens, but you see a lot of slants, you see a lot of hitches, you see a lot of those quick outs, and especially with these receivers with the speed that they have. I wouldn't be surprised to see like uh, you see start to see Deshaun Jackson running those little five seven yard sideline routes going out. It's good it's about as good as like running a five yard zone stretch play. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Fogum just running ten yard stops and everything. And that will go ahead. You chain a bunch of those down, chain a bunch of those catches down line. They're able to go ahead and make those catches. Those can be as good as run. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and try to utilize the short passing game in order to supplement the uh, potential issues at running the football. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this group as a whole, like, you're going to have to get him on the move. You're going to have to get Carson Wentz on the move. Uh, You want to see him run. You want to see him take advantage of these linebackers. You want to see him take advantage of this minimal pass rush. And look, if you can do some, you know, draw plays, I think they'll work relatively well. They worked against the Ravens with Miles Sanders. They worked against the Steelers with Miles Sanders. You're just going to have to be creative. And look, the Giants are very good at disguising coverage and disguising blitzes. That's going to confuse Carson Wentz at times. There are going to be mistakes made. Carson finally didn't throw an interception this past game. I would probably bet that he throws an interception in this one or has a turnover. Uh, So, look, I think these Eagles, this Eagles team needs to be disciplined. They can't get dumb penalties. They need to take advantage of beating a bad team in their division in order to kind of get this thing going. We all think that they're the favorites to win this division, except for maybe the Giants. And, um, you know, the ball's really in their court. You saw how terrible Dallas was on Monday night. Washington couldn't beat them. Um, There's a lot of chaos going on in, in Washington's offense. The Giants are whatever. Their offensive line is horrific. Um, and you know, the real basis of the Eagles problems is linebacker running back and, you know, getting healthy. And if those are the biggest issues, well, that's the way the Eagles put placement on their roster. Um, looking a little bit ahead to the trade deadline, um, you know, we're not going to get too much into the giants game. We haven't had enough time to really study them as much as we wanted to, just cause it's a short week. Um, but here, let's for, hold on. Before we get into the trade deadline, what's your prediction for this game? I think the Eagles. I think it's going to be. I, th- I think I had the Eagles thirty-one sixteen. I think they do have. I think this is going to be Carson Wentz's uh, best game of the season. I really feel that. Even with the even being as hit as much as he was last last week, I think he's going to bounce back and he's going to will this. I think the offense is going to have his best output, especially against this Giants defense. And I, the only thing I would say is I hope that they don't look ahead toward the Cowboys. I hope it's not one of those things, and they're not in a position to look ahead against everybody. But I just wonder if it's one of those things where they start to look ahead. But I think they, I think Peterson will go ahead and have them focused on this game, and they'll take advantage of it on a short week. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I have it um, as a as a fourteen to ten halftime score. Oh wow! Uh, I think it'll be closer, and then I think the Eagles pull ahead. Um, and end up winning 24 to 20. I think it's going to be closer. I think this is one of those ones where you're going to say, look, it's a good enough win against a bad team, but I don't think they're going to blow them out. I do think the Cowboys next week's going to be very interesting because I think then the Eagles will be starting to feel themselves and maybe start to build momentum. It's always one of 
the Giants always seem to play the Eagles close and just can't finish. So I think that's kind of what you, you're going to see in this game. Um, let's move on a little bit to the trade deadline because it's sneaking up. It's less than two weeks away. There have been two conflicting reports. So for CBS Sports uh, reporter Jason Lockenfora, who has a history of kind of swinging and missing when it comes to the Eagles, reported <laughs> that uh, GM Howie Roseman is expected to be aggressive at the trade deadline. That plays into his history. If you look at his history as general manager in both stints, he's only made four trade player trades with incoming ta- in- incumbent talent. So like trading players on the Eagles roster in the middle of the season. And only one of those has been for just draft picks. The other ones he swapped players. So I'm inclined to believe that how he's going to be aggressive just because they have this window to get back to the NFC East. This team always thinks in the way of win the division um, there hasn't been a repeat NFC East winner, I believe, in over a decade. Um, so that's something else to put on Howie's mantle, on Doug's mantle. It does help their job positioning and their outlook and whatever. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nobody's going to be like Doug Peterson when his career said and done. He won 10 division titles, but only but one of them was at 6-9 and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen. Um so I think they want to get to the dance. I don't think this team's good enough to compete. I don't think they should be making trades uh, for players. But when you look at what their whole situation is, it, there are some logical moves to make. That said, Adam Schefter from ESPN said on 95 or 97.5 The Fanatic this morning that he expect the Eagles to be more sellers than buyers. Where do you think they should go with the trade deadline? Should they stay put? Should they sell? Should they buy? I think they, for the most part, I think they should stand pat unless there is a a trade that's available where you pr- pretty much get like-for-like contracts and you don't have to take on any additional salary. I think they should stand pat. And the reason why I say that is they're going to, even uh, this, as they announced today, the Eagles restructured Fletcher Cox's contract in order to free up $5 million in cap room. And the Eagles are going to have to try to roll over as much cap room as they possibly can because right now it's like they're standing pat according to over the cap, they're standing pat at right now. They're looking at sixty-seven million dollars and over the cap in twenty twenty-one, which is uh, insane. So they they need to roll over as much money as they can in order to get that. And also, I wouldn't start trading draft picks because you're going to need the lower those those lower numbers to go ahead and help out when it comes to acquiring players. You, you're not going to sign. You probably won't sign any big name free agents next year with this given this cap this cap situation. So unless they can make a player for player trade. They somehow acquire maybe another linebacker. I, I don't think well, we, we all know the situation. A receiver would do that. Maybe even a reserve running back. If, if I mean the name Jordan Howard, people people saying, "Hey, let's get Jordan Howard. Let's get Jordan Howard." I mean, it's nice and all right now. If you can, but unless you can get give away, unless you have to somebody you can give away with the same type of contract value wise, I'd probably say you stand pat at this point and not take on any additional money. Now, what would you do? Would you go ahead and try to in, increase more, get more people in here to go ahead and help out? Well, the only the only position I would trade for is linebacker, and I would only do it if a guy was on a rookie contract or in the final year of his deal. There are three guys that are kind of in that situation that I kind of think makes sense. There's Avery Williamson, who has a two point seven five million dollar base salary and a per game bonus. Uh, but both of those would be prorated at this point. I think he'd probably cost you one point seven five at this point. That's not a lot. 
They did, did just get some more cap space from renegotiating Fletcher Cox's deal. He's a veteran linebacker. He fits their kind of mold of a six foot one, 230 pound linebacker who can move in space and playing coverage. He's very smart. He's played in the league for seven years. He knows what it's like to be play middle linebacker. Obviously he's with the jets. So you have the Joe Douglas dynamic and they just traded uh, Stephen McClendon. Uh, Stephen McClendon basically after their their blowout loss to the jet uh, to the Dolphins so there's going to be a fire sale there it, is, it appears I think you could probably get him for a sixth or seventh round pick the Eagles are expected to get two compen- or three compensatory picks next year uh, one sixth and two sevenths so you would get that replenishment back they also have two fifth round picks this year no fourth round pick but overall they have seven draft picks coming into the offseason with three potential compensatory picks coming their way. So I don't think it's that damning to have nine nine picks. And as we saw with Howie Roseman during day three of this past draft, he knows how to turn late round picks into more late round picks. So um, I'm not a fan of trading for guys, but I think Avery Williamson can be uh, a Will Witherspoon-esque like trade. If you remember uh, during the Andy Reid era, they traded for Will Witherspoon. He had a great first game and and kind of added to that linebacker group. And I believe they made the playoffs off that. So uh, that would make sense to me. Um, But I I think if you're going to swing, you've got to swing smart and Williamson would make sense. Uh, Another Jets linebacker, Noel Nobel Hewitt makes a little bit of sense. He's a veteran guy. He's a guy I liked in free agency. They went with Jatavis Brown instead and Jatavis Brown obviously retired. And then Anthony Walker from the Colts. He's on the final year of his rookie deal. Not having a great year there, but maybe a change of scenery can do him wonders. He can play middle linebacker. He's got good measurables, uh, and he's young. So maybe you give him a test out for the final nine to ten games of the season, or eight to nine games of the season, and see what you got there. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're both on the same kind of radar with standing pat for the most part. I don't think you can trade Zach Ertz at this point with that high ankle sprain. He's having a down year. I would just wait for the offseason. What are your final thoughts, Chris, as we kind of roll into Thursday? I think this is going to be this week's going to be a big test, I think, for his coaching staff uh, when it comes to even creativity and what we've seen. It seems like we've seen the same thing over and over again on offense. You haven't seen besides the two quarterback system thing. We haven't seen like the creative, innovative designs that you see. And I think this is a perfect week to go ahead and do that especially if you go uh, go ahead and put some stuff on tape to go ahead and get some of these uh, upcoming opponents, give them something to think about. So I want to see how this coaching staff gets ready on a short week to go ahead and prepare this team and go ahead and basically go ahead and try to find ways to give uh, some of these opposing uh, defenses and offenses some fits and s- stuff to keep them up at night because it's been lacking a little bit, but I think this is now is the time to go ahead and start stacking some of those some of those games in order, in order, and it was placed in order for it to happen. So it's going to be real interesting to see what this team does on Thursday. Yeah, I agree. Um, so remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra, nj.com slash text. Uh, you can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. We will have another episode on Friday recapping the Eagles week seven matchup against the Giants. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening to the No Huddle Show podcast. 